The minute that you get labeled a conspiracy theorist, pretty much everything that you have to say ceases to be taken seriously. The red pill is just about kind of shaking up your perception of the way that things really And on the understanding that what you've been told your entire life is a consciously constructed lie. You take the blue pill, the story ends, you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. The idea of Project Bluebeam is that NASA, with the help of the United Nations, was attempting to implement a new age religion with the Antichrist at its head and start a new world order via technology simulating the second coming of Christ. I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. Hawkeye Media presents... Conspiracy Pill with PJ and Abby. And that's the thing about conspiracy theories is like it's sometimes they're not going to be true. And it's okay. There's literally nothing wrong with asking the questions and pulling on the threads and doing the research. It is what it is. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Conspiracy Pill. Your Favorite mostly hinged conspiracy podcast. I'm PJ Williams, and with me today, as always, is Abby Libby. Abby, how are you doing today? I'm I'm great. I'm super hinged, <laughs> super sane. It's everything's <laughs> fine. This week has been fine. Well, this show not only has less hinges than when we started off with, it now has 50% less appendices, appendixes <laughs> than we started <laughs> off with. So uh quick uh I don't know, warnings. Uh I I'm on oxycotton right now for a surgery I just had, so I'm a little out of it tonight. You know, if I'm a little less hinged, that is why. So I'm just just fair warning, you know, giving myself an out for for being a little off my game. But uh, Abby, what are we talking about tonight? Atlantis. Atlantis. Not a- ancient aliens? Aliens? No. Blue no. beam? Stop. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> no. before we get started on Atlantis, I want to give a quick shout out to uh, our newest member over on Locals. And if you guys want to join our Locals, you can go to conspiracypill.locals.com get bonus unhinged content which we have a new episode coming out tomorrow so shout out to Rozel23 for your one time support of three months so appreciate you so much um, but anyway with that out of the way uh, also another quick shout out to the people in chat Hazel423 and don't vax me with your super chats over here on uh, YouTube we appreciate you guys so much the show starting off all, all of the best ways you guys are amazing so happy to be here uh, so what do we need to know about Atlantis? Mermaids, oh. right? Mermaids? Mermaids. <laughs> oh, Mermen? God. I'm not sure I like PJ. people. So, t- th- okay. This, this week was, this so much happened. Um, <laughs> some stuff we can't talk about yet for legal reasons, but the things we can talk about are, and, and these are in no particular order of importance, uh, PJ got appendicitis and then had to like wait 40 hours or some stupid amount of time for surgery. And I was like, with this man's luck, he is going to rupture his appendix and there's nothing <laughs> I can do about it. It was weird. Yeah. I, so I did um, the the signs of my appendicitis started more than 48 hours before I was finally able to have surgery. I was in the hospital for 26 hours before they operated. And I was thinking to myself, like, okay, normally you go in and they're like, oh, we don't want this to rupture. We're going to rush you in. And they're just like, they just kept coming to my room being like, 
you're not a high priority. <laughs> we don't care. And they said that to us. They're like, look, we're not worried about you. So just you'll wait. And then they kept pushing me back onto more and more doctors. And like, okay, so that doctor you signed paperwork for to do the surgery, he left. So can you sign more paperwork for the next doctor? And maybe he'll squeeze you in. So it was a long time. It's a lot of yeah. fun. So you guys let me know how my PJ bot is doing. Um, does he seem real? <laughs> Somebody asked me to take the headphones off and see if my earlobes are <sighs> attached or detached. So you can, I guess, compare that. You know, we'll have a Joe Biden moment. Yeah. My husband wants to know if this <clears throat> is a Damar Hamlin situation. Right. <laughs> Do you guys want to hear something weird and kind of creepy and gross? No. About my appendix? No. No? Okay. Go for it. Let us know in chat if you want. Do you want to hear? Go for it. I didn't know this was a thing, so I was kind of creeped out by it. The doctor, they they put dye in me and then did a a CAT scan to look at my intestines and all that stuff. And they came back and they're like, so you have appendicitis, like we figured, but your appendix is like really super long, dude. (laughs) And it's wrapped around and up by your liver. And it's like wrapped around your liver. And I'm like, what the? I didn't know that was a thing. I thought your appendix was supposed to be like a thimble size, not like some weird alien tentacle inside of my body. You can't even get appendicitis without being extra. I'm Yeah, I'm always extra all the time. So The other thing, the equally important thing that happened this week is that we released a TikTok in which we were joking, joking <laughs> that I didn't believe in the platypus. And now everybody thinks I'm stupid. It was pretty funny though. We got a lot of comments when when we had to explain that it was a joke. It's like, oh, you guys, you guys have some hidden acting talent. I'm like, well, Abby does do, yeah, plays. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, good job on that. It was pretty fun. Like at first, I was a little annoyed that nobody got the joke, and then I was like, this is too much fun to troll the internet into the Abby being like this big dumb blonde. Um, so yeah. I hate everything. I oh, hate and then talking talking about being extra while they were in there taking out my appendix, they found I had a hernia, and they fixed that too. So. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And then PJ got home and he's demanding to help with the Atlantis research. And I'm like, no, freaking sleep. Everybody's been Gosh. yelling at me to like sleep and take it easy. And I don't like it. <laughs> All right. Let's let's get into this. All right. So for those of you who don't know, if there's any of you who don't know, Plato was an ancient Greek philosopher. He wrote extensively, um, but he was a philosopher, not a storyteller, but he is our source for Atlantis. And, and he was named after the child's toy, right? Like the the dough. Yeah. Okay. So I want to make sure we get the order of operations correct. Yeah. Yeah. The... um. Homer invented Plato, and then Plato was named after that. That's what it was, yeah. Yeah. But fun fact, the Greeks didn't know about the color blue, so there was no blue Plato for quite a long time. <laughs> if you don't get that reference, well, that was our last episode. Did we, did we, have we released that one yet? Yeah, that was our last uh, unhinged episode, or two episodes ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Plato wrote uh, circa 360 BC, so... 300 to 400 years before Jesus was born. And um, I'm going to apologize right now. The the primary source material is a little bit long, but no podcast I listened to in my research bothered to read out the whole thing. Um, They tend to just cherry pick 
certain quotations to fit the narrative they're trying to give about Atlantis. And I don't want to do that. And I think it's really interesting. So I'm just going to read you the whole thing. Sorry. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. This is from a dialogue called Timaeus by Plato. And this is um, reprinted from the antediluvian world by Ignatius Donnelly. So I think that there's some editing here as far as how he presented it. But all right. But in addition to the gods whom you have mentioned, I would specifically invoke Minimocene <laughs> for all the important part of what I have to tell is dependent on her favor. And if I can recollect and recite enough of what was said by the priests and brought hither by Solon, I doubt not that I shall satisfy the requirements of this theater to that task. Then I will at once address myself. So real quick, Solon is another large figure in Greek history, and it is known that he visited Egypt in 600 BC. So uh, quite a while before Plato, but Plato was directly linked to him. So moving on. Let me begin by observing, first of all, that 9,000 was the sum of years which had elapsed since the war, which was said to have taken place between all those who dwelt outside the pillars of Heracles and those who dwelt within them. That's the Straits of Gibraltar, by the way. Uh, this war I am now to describe of the combatants on the one side the city of athens was reported to have been the ruler and to have directed the contest the combatants on the other side were led by the kings of the islands of atlantis notice that says islands plural which as i was saying once had a, an extent greater than that of libya and asia turkey so that's the size larger than libya and turkey and when afterwards sunk by an earthquake became an impassable barrier of mud to voyagers sailing from hence to the ocean. So it's saying that after the destruction of Atlantis, they couldn't leave the Mediterranean anymore because of this impassable barrier of mud. The progress of the history will unfold the various tribes of barbarians and Hellenes, which just means Greeks, which then existed as they successively appear on the scene. But I must Begin by describing, first of all, the Athenians as they were in that day and their enemies who fought with them. And I shall have to tell of the power and form of government of both of them. Let us give the precedence to Athens. Many great delusions. I'm sorry. <laughs> many great deluges. 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 Have taken place during the 9,000 years. For that is the number of years which have elapsed since the time of which I am speaking. And in all the ages and changes of things, there has never been any sediment of the earth flowing down from the mountains as in other places, which is worth speaking of. It has always been carried round in a circle and disappeared in the depths below. The consequence is that in comparison of what then was, there are remaining in small islets only the bones of the wasted body, as they may be called, all the richer and softer parts of the soil having fallen away and the mere skeleton of the country being left. And next, if I have not forgotten what I heard when I was a child, I will impart to you the character and origin of their adversaries, the Atlanteans. For friends should not keep their stories to themselves, but have them in common. Yet before proceeding farther, the narrative, I ought to warn you that you must not be surprised if you should hear Hellenic names given to foreigners. I will tell you the reason of this. Solon, who was intending to use the tale for his poem, made an investigation into the meaning of the names and found that the early Egyptians, in writing them down, had translated them into their own language, and he recovered the meaning of the several names and retranslated them and copied them out again in our language. My great-grandfather, 
Dropidas had the original writing, which is still in my possession and was carefully studied by me when I was a child. Therefore, if you hear names such as are used in this country, you must not be surprised, for I have told you the reason of them. So people generally think of Atlantis as a Greek myth because it was told by Plato. But right. it's an Egyptian story. At least according to Plato, <clears throat> the story came from Egypt. Talk right. Yeah. A far deeper time. The tale, which was of great length, began as follows. I have before remarked in speaking of the allotment of the gods that they distributed the whole earth into portions differing in extent and made themselves temples and sacrifices. And Poseidon, receiving for his lot the island of Atlantis, yet children by a mortal woman and settled them in a part of the island which I will proceed to describe. Ah. On the side toward the sea, and in the center of the whole island, there was a plain, which is said to have been the fairest of all plains and very fertile. Near the plain again, and also in the center of the island, at a distance of about 50 stadia, um, and this note says one stadia equals 606 feet. There is some debate about that, but that's the best that we are able to do. Um, there was a mountain not very high on any side. In this mountain, in this mountain, <laughs> There dwelt one of the earthborn primeval men of that country whose name was Evanor, and he had a wife named Lucipi, and they had an only daughter who was named Cleto. The maiden was growing up to womanhood when her father and mother died. Poseidon fell in love with her and had intercourse with her in breaking the ground and closed the hill in which she dwelt all round, making alternate zones of sea and land, larger and smaller, encircling one another. There were two of land and three of water, which as with a lathe out of the center of the island, equidistant every way, so that no man could get to the island, for ships and voyages were not yet heard of. He himself, as he was a god, found no difficulty in making special arrangements for the center of the island, bringing two streams of water under the earth, which he caused to ascend as springs, one of warm water and the other of cold, and making every variety of food to spring up abundantly in the earth. He also beget and brought up five pairs of male children, dividing the island of Atlantis into ten portions. He gave to the firstborn of the eldest pair his mother's dwelling, and the surrounding allotment, which was the largest and best, made him king over the west. And the others he made princes and gave them rule over many men and a large territory. And he named them all. The eldest who was king he named Atlas, and from him the whole island and the ocean received the name of Atlantic. To his twin brother, who was born after him, and obtained as his lot the extremity of the island toward the pillars of Heracles, as far as the country, which was still called the region of Gades, in that part of the world, he gave the name, which in the Hellenic language is Eumelus. <laughs> I took Greek in college, I promise, but it's still difficult. You're doing far better than I would with the names, so don't worry about it. Just, just say it confidently, and people will be like, yeah, that's that's it. It's actually easier <laughs> to read these names in Greek than it is to read them in English. Yeah, guys, with, Abby, with Abby doesn't alphabet? know that we, we muted her five minutes ago. Oh, We're just having gosh. fun with this. So. Oh, oh no. <laughs> in the language of the country, which is named after him, Gadarius. Of the second pair of twins, he called one Ampharis and the other Avemon. To the third pair of twins, he gave the name Menesius to the elder and Autochton to the one who followed him. Of the fourth pair of twins, he called the other Elasippus. It's just trolling me now. And the younger... <laughs> Mestor, and of the fifth pair, he gave to the elder the name of Isaiah and the younger Diapropes. 
All of these and their descendants were inhabitants and rulers of diverse islands in the open sea. And also, as has already been said, they held sway in the other direction over the country within the pillars as far as Egypt and Tyrrhenia, Italy. So it's, it's clearly saying this is not just one city. This is a whole kingdom, the capital city of which is Atlantis. Atlas rules Atlantis and the other sons, in, uh, sons of Poseidon are ruling these other islands that are spread out over fairly vast territory. Right. And I think this is the part that almost everybody misses when it comes to the Atlantis stuff is it's just this one city and it's a Greek city and they're always looking in the Greek territory. Whoa. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. My, oh. lights, my lights are just going nuts. This one shut off and this one went bright. Go ahead and keep talking. I'll fix this. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's just something to keep in mind as we go forward. I'm going to keep reading while you figure your stuff yeah, out. I got it. <laughs> now, Atlas had a numerous and honorable family, and his eldest branch always retained the kingdom, which the eldest son handed down to his eldest for many generations, and they had such an amount of wealth as, as was never possessed by kings and potentates and is not likely ever to be again, and they were furnished with everything which they could have both in city and country. For because of the greatness of their empire, empire not just island, many things were brought to them from foreign countries and the island itself provided much of what was required by them for the use of life. So this was not just a civilization. This was a whole trade. Like they had trade over the oceans and, and accumulating wealth due to this trade. Right. In the first place, they dug out of the earth whatever was to be found there, mineral as well as metal, and that which is now only a name... name. <laughs> Oh, oh, why am I echoing? Sorry, that was me. I hit a button. How Go ahead. dare you? I know. Um, troll, just press L in the chat for PJ. Um, I told you guys I'm on, so I'm on drugs right now. So <laughs> any mistakes are, are excused, excusable. All right, mineral as well as metal. And that which is now only a name and was then something more than a name or a calcum was dug out of the earth in many parts of the island and, with the exception of gold, was esteemed the most precious of metals among the men of those days. So it's basically saying, this used to mean something to people, and now it's just a word we don't even know. Like, Plato didn't even know what this thing was that they were digging up, that they valued. Almost Which I, I want to add here, what makes that super interesting to me, is that generally when we're, we, you hear of Atlantis here, this is, this is uh, an allegory made up by Plato, but in his own allegory, he's like, if it's an allegory, He's basically saying, like, this is passed on. I don't even know what it means. I'm telling you. So weird way to tell an allegory, for sure. Yeah, and as I continue reading this, because that's what a lot of people say, and, and there are some good reasons to believe that he's just making this up, but it's so detailed, and it's so... I, I don't see a point in some of the detail if all you're doing is trying to say, look at this utopia. Um, it also this is just a moral tale. It also doesn't fit with his other allegories in that way. It's not no. it's not like uh the Republic. It's not at all. And right. and you know, when he writes about utopias, it's very high minded. It's not all this like super detailed Right. It's his idea of the philosopher kings and things right. like that. Yeah. Right. All right. There was an abundance of wood for carpenter's work and sufficient maintenance for tame and wild animals. Moreover, there were a great number of elephants in the island and there was provision for animals of every kind both for those which live in lakes and marshes and rivers and also for those which live in mountains and on plains and therefore for the animal which is the largest and most voracious of them 
So not just animal life on this island, but large animal life on this island. Also, whatever fragrant things there are in the earth, whether roots or herbage or woods or distilling drops of flowers or fruit, grew and thrived in that land. And again, the cultivated fruit of the earth, both the dry edible fruit and other species of food, which we call by the general name of legumes, and the fruits having a hard rind, affording drinks and meats and ointments and good store of chestnuts and the like, which may be used to play with, and our fruits which spoil with keeping, <laughs> and the pleasant kinds of dessert which console us after dinner when we are full and tired of eating all these that sacred island lying beneath the sun brought forth fair and wondrous in infinite abundance. Why does this sound like Eden? Right. That was my first thought when you were saying that. I'm like, it does sound like the Garden of Eden. All these things they received from the earth, and they employed themselves in constructing their temples and palaces and harbors and docks, and they arranged the whole country in the following manner. First of all, they bridged over the zones of sea, which surrounded the ancient metropolis, and made a passage into and out of the royal palace, they began to build the palace and then the habitation of the god and of their ancestors. This they continued to ornament in successive generations, every king surpassing the one who came before him to the utmost of his power until they made the building a marvel to behold for size and for beauty. And beginning from the sea, they dug a channel 300 feet in width and 100 feet in depth and 50 sadia in length, which they carried through to the outermost zone, making a passage for the sea up to this, which became a harbor and leaving an opening sufficient to enable the largest vessels to find ingress. Moreover, they divided the zones of land, which parted the zones of sea, constructing bridges of such a width as would leave a passage for a single trireme, which is a type of ship, I believe, to pass out of one into another and roofed them over. And there was a way underneath for the ships for the banks of the zones were raised considerably above the water. Now, the largest of the zones into which a passage was cut from the sea was three stadia in breadth and the zone of land, which came next of equal breadth. But the next two, as well as the zone of water and of land, were two stadia and one which surrounded the central island was a stadium only in width. The island in which the palace was situated had a di diameter of five stadia. I, I know that this is boring, but this is just going to support like, why would you put this in here if you're just trying to tell a story? It reminds me of. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, go. I think you're going to say it, what I was It reminds to say. me of parts of the Bible, too, where people are like, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, you wouldn't put this much detail into uh, the lengths and widths and the measurements and the, um, you know what I'm trying to say. All yeah. these details that go into certain parts of the Bible where it's like, you, you don't realize unless you actually study it why that's so important later on and why that doesn't fit in with like a fictional narrative. Like, there's no, right. like, there's no other, especially in like ancient times, like, Generally speaking, like all of these other, um, you know, religions and things like that, they they focus more on making it entertaining than they do on like being precise. And this feels like it's really focusing on being precise. Doesn't fit in again with Plato's other work of trying to be philosophy. So it's interesting for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you brought up that. I was going to bring up the same thing about the Bible, especially in in de uh, talking about the temple, both when it, its first version as a tent in. Um, Numbers Leviticus, that area, and then in Chronicles later when the the full temple is being built. There's just massive swaths of, of biblical texts that are just really boring details of the temple, measurements, this is what was carved here and there. And it's just, it's a great testament to the truth of it because there's no point in putting that in there unless you're describing a real thing that you think it's important that people be able to visualize. Right. All right. This and the zones and the bridge 
which was a sixth part of a stadium in width. They surrounded by a stone wall on either side, placing towers and gates on the bridges where the sea passed in. The stone, which was used in the work they carried, they quarried from underneath the center island and from underneath the zones on the outer wall as well as, well as the inner side. One kind of stone was white, another black, and a third red. And as they quarried, they at the same time hollowed out docks double within, having roofs formed out of the native rock. Some of their buildings were simple, but in others they put together different stones, which they intermingled for the sake of ornament to be a natural source of delight. <laughs> the entire circuit of the wall, which went around the outermost one, they covered with a coating of brass, and the circuit of the next wall they coated with tin, and the third, which encompassed the citadel, flashed with a red light of orichalcum. Whatever that is. The, pal the palaces in the interior of the citadel were constructed in this wise. In the center was a holy temple dedicated to Cleto and Poseidon, which remained inaccessible and was surrounded by an enclosure of gold. This was the spot in which they originally begat the race of the ten princes, and the thither they annually brought the fruits of the earth in their season from all the ten portions and performed sacrifices to each of them. Here, too, was Poseidon's own temple of a stadium in length and half a stadium in width and of a proportionate height having a sort of barbaric splendor all the outside of the temple with the exception of the pinnacles they covered with silver and the pinnacles with gold in the interior of the temple the roof was of ivory adorned everywhere with gold and silver and orichalcum all the other parts of the walls and pillars and floor they lined with orichalcum in the temple they placed statues of gold and there was the god himself standing in a chariot the charioteer of six winged horses and of such a size that he touched the roof of the building with his head around him there were a hundred nereids riding on dolphins for such was thought to be the number of them in that day there were also in the interior of the temple other images which had been dedicated by private individuals <laughs> and around the temple on the outside were placed statues of gold of all the ten kings and of their wives and there were many other great offerings both of kings and of private individuals coming both from the city itself and from foreign cities over which they held sway. There was an altar too which in size and workmanship corresponded to the rest of the work and there were palaces in like manner which answered to the greatness of the temple and the uh, sorry greatness of the kingdom and the glory of the temple. I really appreciate the Disney movie Atlantis memes in the Odyssey chat. Thank you, guys. Yep. I was just going to pull that up for you guys. <laughs> Keep talking. I'll, I'll, there we go. <laughs> I love it's it. It's easier to read these names in Greek than in English. Queen Abby. I appreciate that. Thank you, Blankets. Thank you. Um, in the next place, they used fountains, both of cold and hot springs. These were very abundant and both kinds wonderfully adapted to use by reason of the sweetness and excellence of their waters. They constructed buildings about them and planted suitable trees, also cisterns, some open to the heaven and other, which they roofed over to be used in winter as warm baths. There were the king's baths and baths of private persons, which were kept apart, also separate baths for women and others, again, for horses and cattle. And to them, they gave as much adornment as was suitable for them, even in the in the highest civilization that the world has ever known, we separate men and women. <laughs> facts, <laughs> facts on facts. Men don't go in women's restrooms. Which also makes me want to ask this question. Somebody just asked us in chat where to go. Why is Abby woman splaining to us? I think she's trying to get back at me for last week doing a whole episode of mansplaining to her on International Women's Day. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, oh, man. Gain trust over here with the $10 super chat. Atlantis died off because they all had swimmers pods. <laughs> so true. <laughs> Thank so you, Gain true. trust. You guys are awesome. Yeah, that's why Greeks, Greece was better because they, they knew how to put on the muscle. Yep. 
All right. The water which ran off, they carried some to the grove of Poseidon, where were growing all manner of trees of wonderful height and beauty. Owing to the excellence of the soil, the remainder was conveyed by aqueducts, which passed over the bridges to the outer circles. And there were many temples built and dedicated to many gods, also gardens and places of exercise, some for men and some set apart for horses in both of the two islands formed by the zones. And in the center of the larger of the two, there was a race course of a stadium in width and in length allowed to extend all around the island for horses to race in. Also, there were guard houses at intervals for the bodyguard, the more trusted of whom had their duties appointed to them in the lesser zone, which is nearer the Acropolis, while the most trusted of all had houses within the, uh, given them within the citadel and about the persons of the kings. The docks were full of triremes and naval stores and all things were quite ready for use. Enough of the plan of the royal palace. Thank you, Plato. Thank you. Crossing the outer harbors, which were three in number, three harbors. You would come to a wall which began at the sea and went all around. This was everywhere distant 50 stadia for the largest zone and harbor and enclosed the whole meeting at the mouth of the channel toward the sea. The entire sea was densely crowded with habitants and the canal canal and the camel and the camel (laughs) camels (laughs) and the largest of the harbors don't there were no camels on Atlantis don't. And the canal and the largest of the harbors were full of vessels and merchants coming from all parts who from their numbers kept up a multitudinous sound of human voices and din of all sorts night and day. This is this is, a, I think, an important line because you have to have a really big city um, with with an incredible amount of industry going on for a multitudinous sound of human voices and din of all sorts night and day. That's like New York. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. You don't you don't get that in any of the small towns I live in. There's there's none of none of that. We also have a request from Jess over here that says, For tonight's karaoke, I need a rendition of Under the Sea. So you got your work cut out for you later. Save Great. that voice. <laughs> I don't know if Plato's gonna let me do that, but <laughs> all right. I have repeated his description of the city, his being Solon's and the parts about the ancient palace nearly as he gave them. And now I must endeavor to describe the nature and arrangement of the rest of the country. The whole country was described as being very lofty and precipitous on the side of the sea, but the country immediately about and surrounding the city was a level plain itself surrounded by mountains, which descended toward the sea. It was smooth and even, but of an oblong shape extending in one direction, 3000 stadia and going up the country from the sea through the center of the Island, 2000 stadia. The whole region of the Island lies toward the South and is sheltered from the North. The surrounding mountains he celebrated for their number and size and beauty in which they exceeded all that are now to be seen anywhere, having in them also many wealthy inhabited villages and rivers and lakes and meadows supplying food enough for every animal, wild or tame, and wood of various sorts abundant for every kind of work. Welcome the feds to uh, membership on our YouTube channel. That doesn't concern me at all. The feds, the, the feds, feds just became members on. Oh, nice! There we go. <laughs> the feds are watching us. Appreciate I'm just that. Just reading Plato, you guys. Let's. All right. Sorry, you guys just saw my son come in here for a second. Keep going. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I will now describe the plain which had been cultivated during many ages by many generations of kings. It was rectangular and for the most part straight and oblong, and what it wanted of the straight lines followed along the line of the circular ditch. So to note there, this isn't something that just kind of popped up overnight. It's not a flash in the pan. This is like a a civilization that built up over generations. 
So we yeah. think of it as ancient, but it was even old to itself. Right. The depth and width and length of the stitch were incredible and gave the impression that such a work, in addition to so many other works, could hardly have been wrought by the hand of men. But I must say what I have heard. It was excavated to the depth of 100 feet and its breadth was a stadium everywhere. It was carried around the whole of the plane and was 10,000 stadia in length. So <laughs> Plato is looking at this and going, I don't, this doesn't even sound like it could have been made by humans. <laughs> I mean, I'm... I'm just saying, I did say ancient aliens earlier. Calm down. <laughs> but we also know that Atlas was allegedly the son of Poseidon. So I think we're talking about Nephilim, right? Right, yeah. So when I say ancient aliens, that's generally what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you just like saying aliens. Yeah, it's a fun word. <laughs> it received the streams from which came down from the mountains and winding around the plain and touching the city at various points, there was let off into the sea from above likewise straight canals of 100 feet in width were cut in the plain and again let off into the ditch toward the sea these canals were at intervals of 100 stadia and by them they brought down the wood from the mountains to the city and conveyed the fruits of the earth in ships cutting transverse passages from one canal into another into the city twice in the year they gathered the fruits of the earth in winter having the benefit of the rains and in summer introducing the water of the canals as so they have two harvests a year which no wonder they're so prosperous as to the population, each of the lots in the plain had an appointed chief of men who were fit for military service, and the size of the lot was to be a square of 10 stadia each way, and the total number of all the lots was 60,000. And of the inhabitants of the mountains and of the rest of the country, there was also a vast multitude having leaders to which they were assigned according to their dwellings and villages. The leader was required to furnish for the war the sixth person portion of a war chariot so as to make up a total of 10,000 chariots, also two horses and riders upon them, and a light chariot without a seat accompanied by a fighting man on foot carrying a small shield and having a charioteer mounted to guide the horses. Also, he was bound to furnish two heavy-armed men, two archers, two slingers, three stone shooters, which, like, that's that's David in the slingshot, yeah, yeah, yeah. stone shooters, and three javelin men who were skirmishers and four sailors to make up a complement of 1,200 ships. Dang. Yeah. Such was the order of war in the royal city that of the other nine governments was different in each of them and would be wearisome to narrate. narrate. Thanks, Plato. As <laughs> I love how Plato himself is like, yeah, this is a lot to narrate. Like, There's a lot of detail here. He's like, I know Abby Libby um, in 2023 is going to be reading this on her podcast. and I really need to keep this short. <laughs> As to offices and honors, the following was the arrangement from the first. Each of the ten kings in his own division and in his own city had the absolute control of the citizens and in many cases of the laws punishing and slaying whomsoever he would. So this was this was a dictatorship. Right. This was not a utopia. Like, they were very rich and they were very successful, but there's no evidence here. Like, it doesn't even line up with Plato's own thought of what the correct government would be right now the relations of the governments to one another were regulated by the injunctions of poseidon as the law had handed them down so you have the kings who are dictators but they're taking orders directly from the god poseidon these were inscribed by the first men on a column of orichalcum which was situated in the middle of the island at the temple of poseidon whither the people were gathered together every fifth and sixth years alternatively thus giving equal honor to the odd and to the even number so one thing that's standing out to me throughout this is how much how similar what poseidon does sounds to how the bible describes what god does like he created these he brought these springs up from the earth like the way that he 
created the islands sounds very much right. like the way the Bible describes God creating and giving these laws sounds a lot like the Ten Commandments. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's it's just like everything else. They're trying to make themselves, trying to elevate themselves to that level. Yes. Yeah. And when they were gathered together, they consulted about public affairs and inquired if anyone had transgressed in anything and passed judgment on him accordingly. And before they passed judgment, they gave their pledges to one another in this wise. There were bulls, which had the range of the temple of Poseidon, and the ten who were left alone in the temple after they had offered prayers to the gods that they might take the sacrifices, which were acceptable to them, hunted the bulls without weapons, <laughs> but with staves and nooses. And the bull which they caught, they led up to the column. The victim was then struck on the head by them and slain over the sacred inscription. <laughs> Just, that sounds so dangerous. Right. <laughs> now on the column, beside besides the law, there was inscribed an oath invoking mighty curses on the disobedient. When, therefore, after offering sacrifice according to their customs, they had burnt the limbs of the bull, they mingled a cup and cast in a clot of blood for each of them, the rest of the victim they took to the fire and having made a purification of the column all around. Then they drew from the cup and golden vessels and pouring a libation on the fire, they swore that they would judge according to the laws in the column and would punish anyone who had previously transgressed and that for the future they would not, if they could help, transgress any of the inscriptions and would not command or obey any ruler who commanded them to act otherwise than according to the laws of their father Poseidon. This was the prayer which each of them offered up for himself and for his family at the same time drinking and dedicated the, de dedicating the vessel in the temple of God and after spending some necessary time at supper... After eating, when darkness came on and the fire about the sacrifice was cool, all of them put on the most beautiful azure robes and sitting on the ground at night near the embers of the sacrifices on which they had sworn and extinguishing all the fire about the temple they received and gave judgment if any of them had any accusation to bring against anyone. And when they had given judgment at daybreak, they wrote down their sentences on a golden tablet and deposited them as memorials with their robes. There were many special laws which the several kings had inscribed about the temple, but most important was the following, that they were not to take up arms against one another, and they were all to come to the rescue of anyone in the city attempted to overthrow the royal house. Like their ancestors, they were to deliberate in common about war and other matters, giving the supremacy of the family of Atlas, and the king was not to have the power of life and death over any of his kinsmen unless he had the assent of the majority of the ten kings." Such was the vast power which the gods settled in the lost island of Atlantis, and this he afterward directed against our land on the following pretext, as traditions tell, for many generations as long as the divine nature, as long as the divine nature lasted in them. That's as long as the genetic material of Poseidon. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Lasted. Sorry. <clears throat> really quick. You know what this makes me think of? Right. Is this coming out of Egypt? <clears throat> like you said, at a certain time about a civilization. This to me reads like <clears throat> the anti or other side of the law that was handed down to Moses. It's reading very similar. You've got the the depths and and widths and heights of the temples of worship and the law and like how they do things like the amounts of chariots. It's it's very similar and and, and it's flipping everything from the god of the Bible to this other god of these people, Poseidon. So, yeah. and it's interesting because there's not, again, like, uh, and I, I know the reason you're reading this is because there's not other texts like this, not just from Plato, but just anything outside of the yeah. Bible, really. There's not other texts that are like in these ancient times that are this particular about these types of things. Yeah, it's re it's really crazy. Right. Um, it, it just continues to blow my mind. Um, yeah. All right, so 
for many generations, as long as the divine nature lasted in them, they were obedient to the laws and well-affectioned toward the gods, who were their kinsmen, for they possessed true and in every way great spirits, practicing gentleness and wisdom in the various chances of life and in their intercourse with one another. They despised everything but virtue, not caring for their present state of life and thinking lightly on the possession of gold and other property, which seemed only a burden to them. Neither were they intoxicated by luxury, nor did wealth deprive them of their self-control, but they were sober and saw clearly that all these gods were increased by virtuous friendship with one another and that by excessive zeal for them and honor of them, the good of them is lost and friendship perishes with them. So he's saying this is a moral society because of their relationship with the gods. But um, by such reflections and by the con continu continuance in them of a divine nature, again, that genetic material, all that which we have described waxed and increased in them. But when this divine portion began to fade away in them and became diluted too often and with too much of the mortal admixture and the human nature got the upper hand, then they, being unable to bear their fortune, became unseemly. To him who had an eye to see, they began to appear base and had lost the fairest of their precious gifts. But to those who had no eye to see the true happiness, they still appeared glorious and blessed at the very time when they were filled with unrighteous avarice and power. Zeus, the god of gods, who rules with law and is able to see into such things, perceiving that an honorable race was in a most wretched state and wanting to inflict punishment on them that they might be chastened and improved, collected all the gods into his most holy habitation, which, being placed in the center of the world, that's at Mount Olympus in Greece, sees all things that partake of generation. And when he had called them together, he spake as follows. Here Plato's story abruptly ends. You get the image. <laughs> of this wise old bearded man taking a break to work out the words that Zeus would speak and never coming back to it. It's interesting. There's also a part you read just two paragraphs ago that says, but when this divine portion began to fade away in them and became diluted too often and with too much of the mortal admixture. So this is talking about the delusion of, at least to me, in my mind, if we're going to talk about Nephilim, which we brought up in the past, this seems like, hey, as soon as the people started having that genetic strain of the fallen angel DNA, like, taken out of them more they became more and more human they stopped being fair they stopped being these uh human gods so to speak and they became more human again this that's how it reads to me, me anyway yeah um you can go ahead and take that down that's yeah, a, yeah. we're all done with that this feels to me like almost the reverse of what enoch says enoch right. says the sons of God came down, the angels came down <clears throat> had sex with a bunch of women and the more they did that and the more demon women or demon the more nephilim the more giants the worse it got that civilization did not benefit from having the nephilim and at, at some point it reached a critical mass where the world couldn't even support all of these giants and it just became violent and the bible backs this up um, i'm about to read that portion in genesis that that talks about those same things before the flood but this is saying the opposite that 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 the Nephilim were good for humanity, actually. And it was only when the Nephilim started to fade out that the gods Which, were again, like, this you makes guys me feel worst. like this is the anti-Bible. This is the anti-law of Moses. And, and to go with this, right, um, I've really been studying, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, this will be quick, but, like, I've been studying Gnosticism a lot. And with Gnosticism, Gnosticism is the idea that you want to take Plato's philosophy and then kind of, like, bring in biblical ideas to it but also, when you really delve into what Gnosticism is, it's saying that God who created the earth is the bad God, and Lucifer, or whatever you want to call him, is the good God. 
And this seems like it adds to that. And it's going again back to Plato. And I know we'll get to this later, and especially in the Rumble section, but this it's important to understand that Gnosticism eventually came became Kabbalah. It became the Knights Templar. It became Freemasonry. So I find it very interesting that, we, as we'll see later on, yeah. Freemasons, some of them, worship Poseidon to this day. So I think that's super interesting that you can bring yep. it back to Plato, the Nephilim, all of that stuff. I had no idea all the connections with this being kind of like what Gnosticism set up, like this, yeah. oh, we're, you know, we're actually the good we're represent, we actually praise the good and the, the angel of light, so to speak, Lucifer. So interesting stuff. Keep going. All right. So before I read the Bible passage that seems reminiscent of some of this, um, or this seems reminiscent of that, however, however you want to put it, I want to note that some of the Atlantis myths have Noah insist that Noah was Atlantean, that he was from <clears throat> Atlantis. And the Bible never actually says where he was from. So I have I have no problem with that. Like, I'm not going to be dogmatic about it by any means, but I think it's interesting. So so you're saying that this is kind of like our episode about the Nephilim, where it talks about the Mesopotamian version of Noah and all these things, where it's like there's all these different people telling the same story, trying to make them the good guys, trying to make their gods the good gods. Yes. That's what I'm seeing from this. Yeah. Yes. All right. So here... Here is the passage from Genesis. This is Genesis 6, 1 to 14. I don't know if I have this pulled. Oh, yeah, I do. Okay, go ahead. When man became, began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them, the sons of God, the angels, saw that the daughters of men were attractive, and they took as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of man, and they bore children to them. So what I'm hearing in that verse is the Nephilim were on the earth in those days, before the flood, and also after the flood. Right. That's highly debated even among people who believe in the Nephilim, but I think that that verse is fairly straightforward on it. These were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. The Lord right. saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom, whom I have created from the face of the land, men and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These were the gener these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God, and Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence toward them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark. Right. All right. So let's let's show a few things to kind of <clears throat> visualize what we've we've looked at so far. So there's a really cool statue of Poseidon. It's in Gran Canaria, Spain. We have a few images of it. I mean, this I built right in the water, just getting hit with water, and it just looks like this god coming out of the sea. I, it's beautiful. Um, yeah, it's pretty it's, impressive it's, that it's stood yeah. all this time as well. It's it's pretty pretty crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, oh my goodness. I I love the ocean. 
And if there's if there's a God in the pantheon that I'm like, if I wasn't a Christian that I'd be tempted, tempted to worship, it, it would be Poseidon. I've always been pulled toward the ocean. Um, all right. Here is a couple artist renderings of what is described as the, the city of Atlantis. Um, people who have read Plato's account and kind of drawn it out. So he described these concentric circles, um, layers of land and then layers of water. Um, and then right up against mountains here. And then here is a higher, you know, a, an idea with more technology. Right. But you kind of have this water city, kind of like what you have in Venice, almost. Like, I mean, it looks like something out of like a Marvel movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of Greek influence in Marvel movies. Very, yeah, true. Uh, which is not an accident. In fact, more and more they're pulling in the different pantheons. Marvel's doing some interesting stuff. All right. We got to talk um, about Ant-Man 2 at some point because Marvel Sorry, I don't mean to get you off on tangents, but like that one really set up the idea that Marvel is creating its own modern-day pantheon of, uh, for for gods of people to worship. Like it's so in your face by the end of Ant-Man 2 or no, 3. It could be the third Ant-Man. Sorry. Quantumania. Yeah. 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 Even brings up literally Horus. Like Horus literally shows up. Sorry, spoiler alert. But wow, yeah. well, wow, you know, spoilers! I am not even going to watch it now. <laughs> it for me. All right. Um, this Plato describes this island of Atlantis being outside the pillars of Hercules or Heracles, um, and we have so this is the Straits of Gibraltar. So here in the foreground, we have the Spanish side, the Spanish pillar. And then if you see in the distance there, there's another mountain. That's the other one on the Africa side. And the idea is that this was a mountain that was split sometime during the continental drift. And this is now how people pass, how ships pass out of the Mediterranean Sea into the Atlantic. Gotcha. It's through these straits. So when Atlantis was destroyed... Nobody could pass through here anymore because of the mud bar that was laid down here for a while. Uh, um, we can look at that on a map as well. Is it this map that you want me to pull up? Yeah. So that's okay. The, so right here, exactly. Gibraltar. Let me see if I can zoom up on that while you're talking about it. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. All right. So a couple, to be fair, there's a couple problems with Plato. He is not a storyteller. He is first and foremost a philosopher. So most of the time when he's telling stories, it's to make a point. And you could argue that with this story, Plato is making this point that this was an incredible civilization, but they, it was a dictatorship. And Athens was the right government. Athens was correct. Athens was a republic. And so that's why, you know, even though this was this great country that's how athens defeated them and the gods were on athens side except for poseidon <laughs> but and the other problem is that the the timeline makes no sense uh, plato was saying that this happened nine thousand years right before plus yeah nine thousand years before solon which was about 600 years before plato so nine and a half thousand years prior to him Athens wasn't even Athens wasn't didn't exist right so the timeline doesn't even make sense in in a story that assumes that the earth is that old 
I don't believe the earth is that old. If you look, if you believe the Bible and you don't do an awful lot of work on it to try to make it say something that it doesn't say, and you look at the timing of Adam was this old when he had this child and this old, and if you, if you just stack up all the genealogies that always include ages and, you know, the dates are pretty clear in the Bible. If you put it all together, it's, it's 6,000 years from at least when Adam starts measuring his age. So it's unclear you know, maybe how long they were in the garden before Adam starts measuring his age, how long, right? Earth, you know, there, there's some wiggle room there. But as far as like human civilization, it's 6,000. So the 9,000 is wrong anyway. But in a story that's that's really old and passed through a couple different people, at least a couple different people, if not a lot of different people, of course, there are going to be some details wrong. So I think one mistake that people make with this is treating it as somehow biblical. People do two different things with the text. They say, oh, they cherry pick their quotes and they say, well, my idea of Atlantis matches this quote, this quote, and this quote. Therefore, it's absolutely Atlantis because it agrees with Plato. And then there are people who are like, well, um, this, none of this is even none of this can be true because it didn't it doesn't line up like of course there were errors in it you have to take everything with a grain of salt even if it's true yeah uh really quick we got another uh chat over here from from uh, odyssey it says pj i'm gonna let you finish <laughs> so i love so it so with that with that uh, I'm gonna let you finish, Abby. But first, no! the only thing that's keeping me awake through this whole thing after coming out of surgery and being on drugs is some uh, North Arrow coffee. I've got my North Arrow coffee right here. Really good stuff. If you guys want to support North Arrow, get some really good coffee that is single origin. It's roast to order, and 15% of every uh, every order goes to pro life causes. You can go to NorthArrowCoffee.co. And use code PJ10 to get 10% off. So yeah, and pretty that cool is not- deal for you guys. That's the only code there is, the only code that ever existed. And uh, back to the show. <laughs> I'm going to let you finish. That is not 15% of profit. That is 15% of every dollar you spend. Absolutely. At. Yes. So, and uh, uh, code Abby10 is also available. Um, PJ doesn't want you to know about that code, it's, but it doesn't work. It is a code that works. <laughs> All right. Anyway, back to the show. Anyway. Um, (laughs) So I would say that the only way for us to really be sure, because there's no other source but Plato, right? It's already, it's, it's nowhere near a primary source. We don't have a primary source for Atlantis. We have somebody for, to whom Atlantis was ancient because Remember, Egypt was ancient to Greece as Greece is ancient to us. And so if we're saying this is a story that was ancient to Egypt. Right. This is nowhere near a primary source. And there's nobody else. Like, we don't have anything else. So all we have to go on is how it sounds. Like, it it reads like a true account. It reads like something at least Plato believed was true. But there's nobody else writing about there's no corroborating sources so the only way i think that we can even say this is true is if we can find atlantis if we can find something out there that matches what he said that would be the proof that it was true right yeah and there's been a lot of people that have been searching for atlantis for thousands of years so yes and um
Atlantis is everywhere. <laughs> Charles Orser, who was a curator of history at the New York State Museum in Albany, told National Geographic in 2021, pick a spot on the map, and someone has said that Atlantis was there. That's not Everyone, far off. <laughs> it's not far off. Everyone's like, Atlantis, Atlantis. And I'm going to talk about that later because that is a feature, not a bug, of of this whole thing, is that every time that there's something interesting under the sea, it's always Atlantis. Anytime. And sometimes not even under the sea. Sometimes not even under the sea. We're going to under the sea. There, there we go. go. <laughs> you got your wish, Jess. A little bit yeah. more? No. <laughs> no. All right. So the first theory proposed, to my knowledge, was Antarctica. Yes. And this is built off the Piri Reese map. Yep. I got that one this, right here. This old map, it's, it's, it's an ancient map, and the person who drew it was did not uh, map this themselves. They, they compiled it from previous maps and so if you if you look down at the very bottom of this map oh this part right here other bottom <laughs> no we're gonna get there oh, okay. um this so you have south america there and then it, it extends south america extends in this in this weird way what 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 could what could that be <laughs> the the people of this time period they hadn't discovered antarctica yet we don't know about antarctica that couldn't possibly be a map of Antarctica. It was made in Constantinople in 1513 AD. Um, it, it was a couple hundred years later when Antarctica was actually discovered. But that coastline accurately depicts the coastline of Antarctica underneath the ice cap. Underneath the ice cap. So they were actually so you're saying that they actually saw the coast without the ice on top of it and were able to accurately map it. I mean, the only other answer is that they had technology that could see through the ice to map it, which is even crazier. So, right, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <sighs> and this is not the only map that does this. There are other similar old maps sourced from even older maps that accur accurately show land and water features on the continent that are covered with ice. So I, I think that there's pretty solid proof that Antarctica was not always covered with ice as it is now, that it was far more accessible to the people, not to the people who made these maps, but to the people who made the maps that they made the maps from. Right, right. However far back that went, there were people who saw Antarctica without ice on it. There are some theories. Um, in 1958, a man named Charles Hapgood wrote a book called Earth's Shifting Crust. Um, Albert Einstein wrote the foreword to this book, so he thought that this was a good idea um, for for whatever that's worth. He suggested that tectonic drift, that Antarctica ha had once been much farther north and it had shifted south. Um, what we think we know, at least, about, about tectonic drift doesn't really allow for that type of movement of a continent, but that's what he thought. And uh, his idea was that it used to be right where um, right where Plato described it, right outside the pillars of, of Heracles, and, and that it was this massive landmass that, that was described as far as 
being bigger than Libya and Turkey. So Atlantis didn't sink. It just drifted to the bottom of the world and like froze over. Well, it did sink because it's got it's got oh, yeah, water. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, gotcha. It's Ice is still water, PJ. <laughs> Ice is still water. Um, That's fair. What I what I do think is interesting about this, whether or not there was so an Admiral Byrd discovered Atlantis. <laughs> yes, that's okay. what they're hiding down there. And you know, we know birds aren't real, and so we have to we have to ask ourselves why there are so many penguins down there. <laughs> what is the government? What is the government looking at? I, what are they I keeping need, an eye on? I need to reread this book, and I can't remember what it's called. I have it in my Audible. I'll, I'll bring it up later, and maybe in the Rumble section, I'll look it up. But like, there's a book by. I can't remember her name either. It's the drugs guys. I swear there's a book by the girl from X-Files, the actress who played in X-Files. And she wrote this trilogy about Antarctica and how it was Atlantis. And there was all this like ancient technology in the hollow earth and stuff like that. So it like relates to so many things that I've been talking about. Cause I went on the, what is it? The current conversions, sorry, current conversations podcast a few weeks ago. And that's what we talked about was, uh, and bleh, I can't speak. You know what? You go ahead. It's the drugs guys. I'm out of it today. It's the drugs. I'm going to let you finish, Abby. <sighs> yeah, you only don't remember the name of that author because she's a woman. That's what it know. was. I'm going to look it up while you're talking. Now, there, there's we know that there's a lot of weird stuff about Antarctica. We need to do a whole episode on, 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 bleh, on Antarctica. And is it a coincidence that it's it has it starts with an A? I think not. <laughs> I think not. Suspicious. I think not. <laughs> I do think it's interesting that Plato describes that the gods divided up the land and that the sea god got a landmass um, that he that he divided up. And there's only one landmass that's completely covered in water. <laughs> so I don't know. I would definitely buy that if we believe that story is true that Poseidon got Antarctica. So it's called Checks the Earth out. End Saga by Gillian Anderson or Gillian Anderson, however you pronounce it. The first one's called The Vision of Fire. Then it's A Dream of Ice and The Sound of Seas. So that's that's the trilogy I was talking about. Very nice, very nice. Okay, so that's that's the Antarctica theory. Um, and I'm I'm skimming over these. I, there are people who have done massive deep dives on each of these things. I mean, there's a whole book about the Antarctica theory. There are probably people who have done even deeper current dives. Um, another one is that it is actually in the Mediterranean, that it's not outside, that it was never outside the, the pillars, that it was always inside the Mediterranean, and that it was on Santorini, um, which is an island off the coast of Greece, also known as Thera. And there's a site on Santorini called Akrotiri. It was a Minoan civilization, and there was a massive volcanic eruption um, called the Minoan eruption. It was one of the largest ever witnessed by mankind. A um, whole lot bigger than, uh, bigger than Krakatoa, which is, I guess, the next biggest one that we have in our history. Um, and there's a site. I think we have a photo of it. Is this the site that you were talking about? Yeah, that yeah. they're excavating that volcanic coverage off of. Um, so some people think that this was Atlantis um, I just, to me, I don't, I have a hard time buying that, you know, we, we have other Greek myths of volcanic eruptions. So why, why would the myth say it was covered by the waves instead of there was a volcanic eruption? Right, right, yeah, yeah. It's not like they didn't know? know what volcanoes were, right? Right. Yeah. I'm Vesuvius, anybody? Like, yeah, yeah. I just, I just don't buy it. Right. But 
it, it is an uh, it's a plot point of a of a strong civilization that was just completely wiped out in a sudden cataclysm, which we do see over and over throughout throughout. So another uh, theory is that it was in the Bermuda Triangle. Yes. <laughs> I think we have a video for this. Um, there's, I'm just yeah. going to warn you really quick. There's something weird going on with my soundboard after I did an update. So when I play it, you'll have to mute yourself or we'll get like feedback or something. Okay. So, All right. Meeting myself. Um, but you want me to want me to play it? All right. Well, I'll take that as yes. Ah. What is going on? Yeah, I don't know. Something happened with my board. I think you guys were able to hear that. Yeah, I mean, okay. it was just it was just C music. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that is a know. that's a video of the the mini road. That is, it's there's some debate whether this is a natural formation or a man made formation, but people dove down there and confirmed that you have large blocks, and then underneath the large blocks you have small rocks that are wedged underneath to keep them level. So it seems pretty clear that this is a man-made formation, um, very large, where these these large rocks were leveled out so that the whole structure would be level. And if you could bring back up that Piri Reese map that we had before, there's a weird island on this map that doesn't exist. That one right there. And is it possible to zoom up on it a little bit? Yeah, 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 let me zoom up some more. On the island, you see down the center this strange little drawing, and this is common for maps of this time, that if there's a kind of a unique feature, land feature, they'll kind of draw it. Um, other parts of this map have like pictures of monkeys or you know something else unique about the place. And uh, anyways, this island is gone, but that structure matches up exactly with where the Bimini Road is now. So it seems that this map is showing the Bimini Road on top of an island that actually existed. I don't think that this is Atlantis, but it's just another sunken thing because we actually have a lot of those throughout the world. We actually have another uh, chat over here on Odyssey I want to bring up. So you said that Atlantis has been found everywhere. Well, now it's been found in Walmart. So, so true. Like, or, or it says it looks like they opened up a Walmart in Atlantis. <laughs> I'll seven here. I come. <laughs> That's fantastic. I love it. That is fantastic. Thank you, Waffle Salt. <laughs> Speaking of um, weird places that we have we have seen Atlantis, there's there's kind of a famous video. We have a TikTok of it. There's really no way to confirm this, but it has captured the imaginations of people. Let's check it out. What exactly did this photo capture? On the 7th of August, 2016, at approximately 9.37 p.m., this photo was taken from a cruise ship and shared on Facebook, showing a large structure that appeared to be rising out of the ocean. According to the user who posted it, his cruise set sail from the port of Lisbon at around 5 p.m. into the Atlantic, and as he was winding down for the evening, trying to look for dolphins on his balcony, 
port side when he spotted this structure. Some have suggested that this is a ghost ship in the distance, or a mirage, or even Atlantis rising from the depths. But till this date, no one knows. What exactly did this photo capture? So what do you think of that one? I, I don't know. The, the ghost ship idea is plausible. You know, the idea that the ocean is vast and sometimes ships were abandoned, something happened, and they're just floating around out there. You know, they're going to be seen at some point, probably. So Jess on YouTube says Atlanta, Atlantis. I mean, did anybody see that uh, Futurama episode where Atlanta was Atlantis? That was a good one. Anyway. It's in Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of it's in Georgia, there is a... There's a fairly serious theory, and I, I don't even I don't even know how to tell this to you. Fairly serious. There's a fairly serious the person who <laughs> it's in Ohio, you guys. It's Atlantis in Ohio, guys. Is in Ohio. Um, okay, the, I keep hearing this as a joke, but like, where does this come from? I didn't look into it because okay. I want to do a whole episode on Ohio because we all know that Ohio isn't real, but there's still so many weird things that people say about Ohio. There seems to be a very, I, I, I'm joking. I know that Ohio is real, but there's a strange convergence in the deep past, in the very ancient past. Ancient Ohio is a thing. Right. There's ancient megalithic structures in Ohio, including a giant snake that's weirdly aligned with all of the summer so like all the solstices and rising and setting of the sun there's mounds there's a lot of crazy stuff in ohio but there are people who think atlantis is in ohio so so what you're saying is that ohio is real but platypi are not so true <laughs> yeah no i mean there's so much going on in ohio it's like oh, a few months ago there was that thing trending where it was like the the mockumentary about ohio not existing and now we've had stuff happen with east palestine and like way more accents and things going on the atlantis stuff i feel like we have to delve into a lot of the ohio stuff sure. yeah I'm, i want to do it soon this like, is unjokingly there's some interesting stuff from ohio so yeah i think i want to do a whole ohio episode it was the 13th state i didn't even know, i didn't even know that That's giants crazy. found in ohio i mean there's a lot of stuff there we'll, we'll delve into it a weird number of astronauts like come from ohio really high <laughs> there's a nasa facility yeah in there's a nasa testing facility yeah I know someone who works there. <laughs> I know. That's why I brought it up. <laughs> I was about to drop that every time. Um, that's who pays me to say that the earth isn't flat. Um, all that stuff. So anyway. Oh, wait, Ohio we have proof here. Saltzilla says Atlantis was round on the ends and high in the middle. What does that tell you? It's in Ohio. <laughs> so true. <laughs> so true. All right. So yeah, we know that that theory of Atlantis isn't it can't be real because Ohio isn't real. So right. we can just move on from that. <laughs> I think that there are oh, there's really only two genuinely compelling theories that I've heard um, outside of... I, I, I do find the Antarctica one really interesting, but the tectonic, like the science doesn't really work for it as far as we are aware. But the two that are kind of leading the world right now, I would say, are a man named Randall Carlson and a man named Jimmy Corsetti. So both of them have had a chance to, in the, in the past few years, present their theories on the Joe Rogan experience and comment on the opposing theory. So they, they talked about their, their ideas and they, you know, Joe Rogan brought up the other guy and they were like, what do you think of this? So if you want, you can go ahead and look up those episodes um, and they, they'll really defend their ideas. And then they both have YouTube channels where they really defend those ideas. And those are, I believe linked in the description. They are. They're in the description for anybody who wants to check them out. 
So let's start with Randall Carlson. He's an older gentleman. I think he's been at this a lot longer. Um, and he holds really tightly to the location that Plato seems to suggest, which is that it would have been right um, right outside the Straits of Gibraltar, mid-Atlantic, um, in a place known as the Azores. Is so, this the one right here? Yep. So this is one of the Azores. And the idea is that that circle right there is where Atlantis was, and now it's sunk. Gotcha. How big um, is that? I mean, it's a little hard to tell. Did you... I, I is that... He he is of the opinion that it it matches up to the to the size description in Plato's yeah. telling. Okay, but there's there's some iffiness as far as like the size in Plato. So True. it is what it is. I I find that this is it's on the Mid Atlantic Ridge, which is interesting. Underneath there are some craters. Um, that kind of all, they're named after, I mean, there's one that's literally named after Atlantis and then one that's named after Plato. So whoever named the stuff believed that this was the location. Or at least was familiar with Plato's stories, yeah. Right. Um, there's really no civilization down here. Like, I, I haven't seen any, like, the location is perfect, mm -hmm. but that's about it. I, I haven't seen anything really compelling as far as here's the statue of Zeus described. And, you know, there's, there's been some stuff that looks maybe man-made that's been, that's been dated to the correct time period. But I also have a problem with carbon, carbon dating, carbon dating assumes that the world in order for it to even work, it, it has to assume that the world is older than I believe that it is. So I think that the, the assumptions more, are wrong. There's more problems with carbon dating than that even. There's just the yeah. idea, like, if you really look into carbon dating, it assumes that the temperatures and very, like, all these factors are exactly yeah. the same as this one test. So what I, I, I've i been talking with Jess about this, about bringing around to talk about carbon dating in the future, because mm. I really want to delve into that subject. But yeah, it's, Jess is it's a chemist, science, by the way. and she's a chemist. Yeah, no. Yeah. It's there. It, I can't go into it right now, but yeah, we'll we'll cover that in greater depth because I I think that's a conversation worth having. This is definitely a problem with archaeology that they lean very heavily on carbon dating, and it's just a bad science. And the scientists know it's bad science too. That's the frustrating thing about it. Waffle Salter, thank you so much. Um, what is this image of? Would you let us know? Is this also an image of the Azores? Let me bring this up over here. It so Waffle like Salter it. dropped us a $25 chat over on Odyssey. Thank you so much, Waffle Salter. We appreciate you. And with this picture here. So yeah. uh, if you can really quick in the chat, let us know what this is and we'll we'll, we'll talk yeah. about it a little bit more. Definitely looks like some sort of, maybe not looks, thermal in imaging, but an interesting type of imaging. And it does, does look like Does it look like, like the Eye of Horus to you? <laughs> it looks like... It does look like the Eye of Horus. We're going to get into the Eye of okay. Horus, but there, we'll there bring is this an back interesting up later then, for sure. formation there. I'm not trying to poo-poo this because I think this is a really strong theory. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it, <laughs> carbon dating is the PCR test of time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Great, great, uh, Dr. Bob's nightmare. I like that. The Azores are one of those things where there have been there are things on on the island, on the physical island, that speak of a civilization that was never supposed to be there. Like there's, you see this across the world that there is a narrative 
that archaeology likes to believe about when humans became sophisticated, when people began to do this and that, travel here, have this technology, etc. And there's so many different instances, and they're discovering more all the time of just things that break that theory. And they don't like that. And and archaeologists who push back against this narrative are often blackballed in the industry where but this is this is an example of they found some human teeth here that were of the wrong time period um this happens all the time by the way yep yeah yep and they were dismissed as not even human teeth and it's like they're definitely human teeth but nobody wanted and so they erased it basically So there's definitely something going on in this island. It is, it is definitely, I would say, part of an ancient civilization that archaeology doesn't want to admit exists. Well, if it I'm cuts not, against the narratives they're trying to push, of course right. they do. This happens all the time. I'm not entirely convinced this is the Atlantis, but it is in the right area that I think it's probably part of the Ten Kingdoms. If, there we go. If Atlantis existed which we haven't, we, we can't prove it existed without finding Atlantis. And I don't think that we can prove it with this Island, but if it existed, I would definitely buy this as part of it. And the thing, and I'll get to this a little bit more later, but we're not just looking for 10 islands because they had nations they were trading with. They had nations that were sophisticated enough for them to trade with. We like to pretend like Atlantis is this, is like Wakanda. It's like this solitary island that had so much more technology than the rest of the world, so much more sophisticated. But what Plato is saying is, this was a really cool nation. This was a really cool empire owned by Poseidon, but that the whole world was participating and the whole world was more advanced. It's not yes. like Wakanda is just this hidden place in the jungle that's more advanced. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like it was a really cool place, the pinnacle of the world at that time. But the pinnacle, like New York City, might have been the pinnacle. Um, I think Atlantis. Doesn't it seem to be that all of these things keep lining up with the same idea that there was an ancient civilization that was far more advanced than the rest of us and that there was some type of like it always comes back to a flood every single culture yeah comes back to the flood narrative that there was an advance like that's the one part that i don't think people understand about the bible and about the times of noah and things like that we talk about how wicked they were we talk about the nephilim and things like that but we have no idea about the technology and you can see the degrade the degradation of technology from people like i brought this up as an example before if i have an iphone and i don't know how to use it but the rest of the world gets wiped out I'm not going to be able to recreate the iPhone. Like, of course, civilization is going to go backwards. There's some right. things that I'm not going to be able to, and you know, teaching, passing that on, you're going to go, it, yeah. So, yeah. and there's all kinds of signs of that throughout all of history, which is interesting as well. Yeah. So I think the theory, and you you saw it in the thumbnail, you know, this is where we're going. The theory that I find the most compelling is that Atlantis was in the Sahara. <laughs> what? Yeah. So tell me about this one. All right, so we know that the first king of Atlantis was Atlas. And we know that it was supposedly surrounded by mountains. This is the Atlas mountain range. (laughs) And the first king of what is... So there are two Mauritanias. In history, Mauritania was modern-day Morocco. And that historical Mauritania supposedly had a king, first king, named Atlas. Now, modern-day Mauritania is actually what we're going to be talking about. So there's been some... They're, they're pretty close together. I'll show you on a map in a minute. But there's there's some shift there. But um, 
there's a well-known, what has been thought to be a geological feature in the Sahara Desert known as the Eye of the Sahara. And this is what it looks like. <laughs> it looks like concentric rings. It, yeah, it looks like concentric rings. It looks like the exact correct amount of concentric rings. This is sitting in the Sahara Desert. Now, this is Jimmy Corsetti's brainchild. As far as I know, he's the one who popularized it. Um, and I really, I really like it. I find this to be the most compelling. And I'm not just saying that because he followed me on Twitter today, although I was <laughs> screaming awesome. when that happened. Yeah, I got your text. Um, that was that was insane. <laughs> um, wow, I got I lost myself. Okay. Let's so I want to show you this where this structure is located on the map. Is that right there? Right. Um that looks like it. That looks creepily like an eye. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's where it's located. So it is still in that area of the Atlantic. It's it's still outside of the Straits of Gibraltar. Um, we we have this way of assuming that the world that exists now is how it has always existed, and that it just never ever changes. But that's not true. We know it's not true. Um, there's an old map that shows Africa and shows the Sahara. And would you look at that? <laughs> Rivers. Yeah. That no longer exist. Yeah. Yeah. We know that the Sahara is growing at a rate of 30 miles a decade. This thing has not been static ever. <laughs> and at some point it didn't it didn't exist it it wasn't there africa there's there's good evidence that that area of africa used to be very fertile and we don't really know what happened or why but climate change climate change does happen it's just not the way right. that the left likes to paint it which we're going to talk about that later too for sure we also got another picture over here from waffle salter uh, yes yeah what is this from i don't know but it's uh, another concentric ring circle somewhere in the world, which I find yeah. interesting. Because you said, you know, ten kingdoms could be. Yeah, Sorry, there, there are definitely other places where where there's compelling, compelling type Atlantis things, and this is mm -hmm. a like I said, feature, feature not a bug. A personal anecdote: When I lived, I lived in Africa when I was young, uh, between the ages of seven and nine, um, off and on. So we were back and forth, but three years total, and I lived in this country, Cote d'Ivoire. Um, down on the coast of West Africa, Mauritania. If you go up, if well, you don't have to yeah, scroll up, but right Mauritania there. right there. That's where the eye of the Sahara is. The Sahara is right up there. So Cote d'Ivoire is classified as rainforest, but it didn't feel like that. And one of our seasons, we basically called it like the dry season or dust season. And the air would just be filled with this kind of reddish brown haze as the winds blew sand toward us off the Sahara. So we, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> thank you so much for the Atlantis memes. Yeah. Thank right. you. Blankets. Um, <laughs> hold up. Yep. Sorry. I didn't mean to get ahead of us. Keep going. No, you're good. You're good. So it, I, like I experienced in real time, um, that the Sahara just trying to it's it's like a beast it's like a living thing that's constantly trying to push down toward more fertile areas and take over just eat more and more of africa Corey, you've been to dakar i have too 
that's really cool. Um, Dakar is what Ghana. Is it? I, I've only been to Liberia in Africa, so which is right next to Cote d'Ivoire. We had yeah, we had missionary. We had neighbors who had previously been stationed in Liberia, and there were horror. We told horror stories about Liberia because at the time it was very very violent, um, and there was always that fear that our country would turn into Liberia and then, you know, it did. So Liberia is like every 10 years they overthrow their government. It's like, yeah. you know, that's actually how they do elections. They just get someone in and then they just overthrow them and then they do another one. So oh. Dakar yeah. is Senegal. I knew I had been to Dakar, but I couldn't remember where it was. Our plane landed in Senegal briefly. We never got out. We sat on the tarmac and they sprayed down for mosquitoes and refueled. And then it's right there's Senegal, by the yeah. way. So yeah, we, we came down from and there's Liberia where I was at. Yeah. So anyway, that's just, <laughs> I don't know why I had to bring that up. But anyway, let's, okay, indulge me. We're going to take a little bit of a bunny trail. Some of you requested hinges at the beginning of this episode, and some of you requested no hinges and here's your no hinges we're going to talk about the eye of horus so here's horus this is an artist rendering of the god horus of egypt so one thing that want to highlight is that we think of atlantis as a greek myth but it was told by egypt it's not even an egyptian myth but this is kind of bringing greek and egypt myth together which has happened a few times um, throughout mythology where you have some crossover between the Greek gods and the Egyptian gods, some evidence that they were, <laughs> the stories were commingling, basically. Horus is a sun god, kind of the equivalent of Apollo in Greek mythology. He has got this bird head, and um, the myth goes that his right eye was the sun, and his left eye was the moon, and that his left eye was taken in a battle by the war god Set, and it was healed by Hathor, which is interesting to me because in Greek mythology, Apollo is the sun god and also the god of healing, and his twin Artemis is the moon god. So, A lot of similarities, for sure. A lot of similarities. Let's look um, at the Eye of Horus the symbol. So this is this is the symbol that's throughout Egypt mythology. It is a symbol of well-being, of healing, of protection, and this is something that even spread to Malta, which is in the Mediterranean. They have a tradition of putting the eye, eye of horse on their boats um, to protect their boats. So another example of this crossover of horse into Greek mythology. And um, Okay, there's there's a tweet thread from Jimmy Corsetti where we have some some interesting images of this Eye of the Sahara structure and comparing it to the Eye of Horus. Yeah, so for people who are listening, the tweet says, the bizarre similarity between the Egyptian Eye of Horus compared to the Eye of the Sahara becomes even more strange when you learn that the legend of the lost city of Atlantis actually originates from the ancient Egyptians. So here's some pictures from this tweet thread, right? Gorgeous. Is that what you wanted me to show show them? The... Yeah, yeah, just scroll through. Yeah. So this is the eye superimposed <laughs> over. It's it, like facing north, facing south. I mean, both ways. It's it's perfect. Very convincing. Yeah. 
which makes you wonder if this symbol was always designed to represent the lost city of Atlantis. Yeah. That is crazy. Was there other stuff from this thread you want me to show? I mean, it, it, even without it being superimposed, that's what it looks like. It's so creepy. I mean, honestly, if you told me there was a giant god buried under the Sahara, I would believe you. Right. Wow. That's it's nuts. creepy as crap. All right. So um, we know we know that the Eye of Horus as a symbol spread to Malta as a symbol of what well-being, healing, protection. Did it spread anywhere else? It definitely did not. Mm. It definitely did not spread anywhere else at all. We definitely don't have a pyramid with an eye inside it. This no. okay, get this. This is called the Eye of Providence. <laughs> it literally means the same thing. It doesn't look exactly the same, but it it is the same symbol with the same meaning. Well, and I mean, we have, you know, obviously we've got pyramids here in America, right? That's not a reference to Egypt at all. Would never be, couldn't possibly be. This is not, this is not Gnosticism. This is not masonry all over. Um, That's what I'm saying. That's what's so fascinating about this stuff. Like the more, I, I swear I'm becoming obsessed with studying Gnosticism because I feel like it explains the shift uh, of the two I mean, Gnosticism is about the the idea of the two different gods, essentially. It's been spread all over. It's just like you're supposed to follow the god of light and that the god created the earth is the bad god. You know, in, in Gnosticism, he's called Yaldabaoth. And it's, it is what the Freemasons get their religion from. It has a, it has a history of, like I said, going into uh, ancient Jewish Kabbalah, I think is what it's pronounced, which is another thing that you see that all of that symbolism in Hollywood and things like that. It actually shows up prominently in a lot of... Kanye West music videos actually kept Kabbalistic uh, imagery. And then, you know, the Knights Templar into the Freemasons and all of it. So just that she DM'd a meme. I'm scared. All right. I'll pull it up while you're talking. All right. Did, uh, did you DM it to Abby? If, if you did send it to me, our, I'll pull it up. It was our group chat. I think. Oh, okay. All right. I'm going to play the next singer. So I got to show this meme before you get going because this meme explains where we're going with this show. No hinges. <laughs> love it. That is amazing. Thank you, Jess. I love the abs. It's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's get, we've talked about this a bit, but I just want, I just want to bring this kind of home. This is like kind of my conclusions on all of this. Not just an island. Ten. 10 kingdoms, 10 sons of Poseidon. We have the Nephilim. We have this massive civilization that's the heart of a world that was bustling, an entire worldwide civilization. This is just the pinnacle of it. And Atlantis is the capital city. So when, when we hear a story that we know that there are flood myths around the world. We know that there are worldwide flood myths around the world that match up with the biblical world, worldwide flood myth. And I think that Atlantis is often mistaken as a small event where just one little island is destroyed. When in reality, it's that the heart of the civilization of the world, the capital city of an empire is destroyed. I think that this is a flood myth. I think right. that it's a mistake and kind of a red herring to say just Atlantis was destroyed. I think that this is genuinely a story from pre-flood. 
This well, is especially if you're talking about this being a great civilization of 10 kingdoms that traded with the rest of the world that was serving demonic gods, it does line up with the flood myth. And I feel like you're, you're 100% right that we're looking at this as in here's one city that was flooded in and of it by itself, sunk in the ocean, whatever, instead of it being part of the greater story, especially since so much of it lines up with Mesopotamian culture, with the Egyptian myth. I mean, you've got a flood myth in ancient Celtic. So, yeah. You have flood myths in cultures that should never have, that never talk to each other. Exactly. Yeah. Where you can see the crossover between like Mesopotamian and Jewish culture and Egyptian yeah. culture, but not, not the Celt, not the Celtics. The Noah story, the Noah flood story, the idea that there was a flood and a, and a small group of people survived is literally inside Chinese hieroglyphics. Ancient yeah. Chinese hieroglyphics tell this story. It's all over the world. It's, it's in South America. Native Americans have it too, I believe. Yep. Everybody has it. Every deep ancient culture that kept its stories, that had its myths, that have these old pantheons that tell these stories, they all have these flood myths. And I think that it's, we have usually tried to situate, people who believe in Atlantis and the Bible have tried to situate Atlantis as post-flood. And I'm saying this is the, this is the, the flood. Yeah. Yeah. This is the flood. Question so, really quick, not trying to get you off topic too much, but okay. like I've, well, it's something we'll have to delve into more, but I just want to put this out there. I've read some studies where people believe that the idea of the ice age and the flood are the same thing, that the same evidence would be shown for both of them. It's just something I want to put out there that maybe we can delve into in the future. Maybe we get Jess on to talk about some of the science there, but I've heard that the idea of the ice age and the flood would have Basically, the evidence for the Ice Age is the same evidence you would have for a worldwide flood. So that it might be a that it might be a red herring in and of itself. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it, you're you're fine. The, basically, archaeologists will literally do everything. Archaeologists slash geologists, because they kind of meet right. on these topics, will do anything but acknowledge that there's evidence for a worldwide flood. So they'll call it literally anything else. Even though no ancient <laughs> civilization talks about an Ice Age. Yeah. But they all talk about a flood. Okay. In, in fact, you have these bustling, bustling civilizations right in the middle of the Ice Age. And you're like, how? Yeah, that's the other part that's uh, <laughs> never made any sense to me. <laughs> we'll, we'll come back. We'll come back to that. Well, you a- have to ignore anything that doesn't fit the narrative that you want to push out to the people. Yep. So one thing I, I have always found interesting is how history rhymes. So if we're going, let's, let's assume for a second that this 10 kingdoms thing is real, that, that there were 10 kingdoms that were the heart of the world prior to the flood. You see in the Bible, a couple other instances that are talking about 10 kingdoms, but they're talking about them in the future. Thinking that too. Yeah. So you have, you have the prophecy in Daniel about, the, the ten the ten toes of the statue so each part of the statue um, is a different empire and the final one the, the last one is is those ten ten toes ten kingdoms ten kings and then you see it again in revelation where it's talking about ten kingdoms now depending on how on your view of revelation some and, and of Daniel will say well that's just Rome. Because at the tail end of Rome, when the Goths attacked, they they broke apart into ten kingdoms. But I think that we have a deep past, a middle past, and a future story. So we have Atlantis, and then we have Rome, ten kingdoms of Rome. But we're going to have ten as well mm-hmm. at the very end. I don't know. That's where I'm at. 
but I also am not dogmatic at all about end times. I believe the Bible. I just don't know how to interpret it as far as the, the prophecies right. go. And and really quick, I know we had told people that we we're probably going to do another Revelation stream on Monday. I was in the hospital. That's why we yeah. didn't. So it's coming up. Yeah. Literally in the hospital instead of doing the Revelation stream. Because yeah. I'm sorry, somebody guys. doesn't want us to do You know, should have streamed it from my hospital bed. <laughs> I thought about texting you. So I take this to mean we're not doing, but I actually yeah. didn't like to feel bad because knowing PJ, he would be like, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it for my phone. I just like walked out of the hospital with my IV bag and I'm like, all right, let's go. Ridiculous. Um, I was yelling at PJ all that day. Like you have to advocate for yourself. Yell at some doctors. Do not make me drive to Michigan to yell at doctors. They looked at me funny when they, okay, like this is not a joke. They asked me my pain level and I'm like, well, when I lay still, it's a two. And my wife's like, why did you tell him a two? I'm like, cause I, it was, that's how I felt. <laughs> I can think of way worse pain. Oh my goodness. Anyway, Didn't help me get my surgery faster. That's all. We all know PJ was just doing this for attention. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> but only internet attention. He didn't want the doctor's attention. He's no. like those girls in the gym that are filming themselves for TikTok for thousands of views, <laughs> but they don't actually want anyone in the gym to. That's exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah what there you're we like. go. <laughs> <laughs> Stop right. staring at me twerking in the gym. I'm doing this for Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Um. But I, I think the other way that Atlantis is a red herring is that every time we find something weird under the water, it's the question is, is this Atlantis? And then if it's not, if you can't prove it's Atlantis, everyone's like, well, you, well, it's not Atlantis, so we don't have to pay attention to it. What is happening to my hair? Gosh. And, and so instead of just saying, holy crap, there's a civilization under the water. Right. Holy crap, there's this massive thing here that doesn't make any sense. Instead, we we can dismiss we can use Atlantis to dismiss it if it's not Atlantis. In, so, instead of it all being Atlantis. Instead of it all being the Empire, right, instead yeah, of yeah. it all being not just the Empire of Atlantis, but potentially colonies. Right. The, Trading partners, things like that. Yeah. Part of this whole civilization. And this is something that has always bothered me because I grew up on Answers in Genesis. I grew up on the flood stories and the creation stuff and this this view of the Bible. And and if if you know Answers in Genesis, it's it's a great organization that has done a lot of scientific work on creationism and really defending this idea and defending the Bible. But one thing that they do is is they're very they readily admit readily not even just admit, but like readily preach that the reason we have such an amazing fossil record is because of the flood. Because generally speaking, when animals die, they, they don't fossilize. Like fossils are not buried normal. underneath like mud and things like that. Yeah. Right? They have to yeah. be buried in a certain type of way to be preserved. So they're like, look at this fossil record. This is from the flood. Doesn't that also point more towards a flood than an ice age. Yes. Well, answers in Genesis is very clear that it was a flood. Yeah. But yes. We'll have to dive deeper into that in a future episode. Yeah. I think Answers in Genesis just puts the Ice Age in a different... They just shorten all the timelines. And okay. I think what what probably the correct thing is, is to say there was never an Ice Age. It was all a flood. But I don't know. I'm not a scientist, nor Jess am I. Jess says the reason we have electricity and fossil fuels is because of the flood. That's, that's interesting. Yep. Certainly the reason why we have fossil fuels... There might have been another way to get electricity. There's a whole argument that the, the pyramids 
were designed to <laughs> pull it. Like, Nikola Tesla was convinced that the pyramids were somehow creating electricity. You know, they found ancient batteries in Egypt, right? Mm -hmm. Sorry, I'm, too many tangents. Keep going. Yeah, there's there's a whole lot of ancient tech stuff. Yeah. But what always bothered me about Answers in Genesis is they were like, flood, look, fossil record. But they never acknowledged that any of the old civilization would ever have been preserved. Their position was always, God erased all of it. None of it's there. And that doesn't make sense to me. Of no, course, it doesn't make sense to me at all. Of course, there's going to be a, a archaeological fossil record of these civilizations and a story record. So it, we, we pretend like the stories just started with the flood myths. Like that's when the stories started. But no, of course there are going to be stories. Like if there was a whole civilization that Noah and his family experienced or at least knew about, depending on where they lived, maybe they were from Atlantis, maybe they were from somewhere else, but they would have known. Um. Yes, we can do an episode of Nikola Tesla. I'd love yeah, that. We will do that. Keith DB with the $10 rumble ran over here. Thank you. He says, oh, good day, y'all. Thank you. Good day, thank you, Keith. Keith. Good day, all. He says, I said it wrong. Thank you. I'm on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Say it louder. <laughs> drugs. I'm on drugs. <laughs> of course, they would have told stories about the civilization that they knew. Like, not just Noah, but his sons and their wives, they all experienced that civilization. Of course, they're going to pass along stories of that civilization. Right. So, of course, stories of it exist. Mm -hmm. um, here's another one that I think is absolutely, a lot of people are talking about it because it is probably the most ancient site that we know of, and it's the Gobekli Tepe. Um, this is a site in, in Turkey that has been uncovered. It was buried underneath mud. Um, it, it was flooded and buried. <laughs> right. This is this is the beginning of the book, The Fingerprints of the Gods by Graham Hancock, I believe. Talks about the globe. I can't pronounce it right now. Is Graham... Graham yes. Graham is exactly who I thought he was. Okay. Yeah, the, the documentary you sent me to watch. Yeah. So I, I'm going to right now plug that show. So if if you have Netflix or if you like us, steal it, steal it from other people because we don't want to pay for it because Netflix sucks. Graham Hancock has a documentary called um, Ancient Apocalypse, where he goes around the world and he talks about exactly what we're talking about. All of these civilizations that were incredibly advanced break break the narrative. And they all are really, there's a lot of really good stuff. I highly recommend it. But he gets into all of these sites. And um, what he says is that there was the Ice Age during which these civilizations were really strong. And then there was this thing called the Younger Dryas, which is basically these, basically after the ice age the world was just incredibly unstable climatically so the, the climate was very unstable and there was just all of these local cataclysms so a lot of local floods a lot of things being submerged a lot of things being destroyed and it's like well you'll just do anything but just say that there was a worldwide flood like, you'll just do anything but one thing that he brought up a bunch is that <laughs> It, why are you uncomfortable? 
Oh, no. uh, sorry. Dr. Bob asked me if I was comfortably <laughs> numb. And I said, no, I'm actually quite uncomfortable. Oh. It's all good. Keep going. I will take a, I'm going to take a minute break when we move over to Rumble, though. Yeah. I, I do. I need to, too. Not for that reason. I have to use the bathroom <laughs> to powder my nose. Women don't. Women don't pee. I so. mean, she's going to do drugs. Powder your nose is obvious reference to cocaine, guys. Come on. <clears throat> uh, one thing that he brings up is we often think of like if a site exists, it's definitely something where it, it had to have been built all at once. And then when it was built is when it was first built. But we know we have structures today. I mean, I, I live near D.C. I've watched work being done on the on the White House restoration stuff. So one thing that is is certainly possible is that you have an ancient site, an ancient sacred site that was maybe severely damaged in the flood. And then you have a civilization come afterward and rebuild it. And so at some of these sites that exist around the world look as if they have been, or in some, sometimes we're sure that it was originally a smaller site and then it was built further. There's evidence of the Great Pyramid Great Pyramid was like this, that it was a sm smaller thing and then it was built further as time went along, which makes me ask the question, are the pyramids pre-flood? Yeah, that's going to be another episode because there's too much to say there, but I think so. Yeah, I do. Me too. Yeah, I, I especially think the Great Pyramid is, it seems like the other pyramids did not, maybe we're replicating that. And I also think that the Egyptians moved in and like, what do we do with these? Th yeah, there's a whole thing there. We won't get into it today, but yeah. Yeah, there's certainly, uh, before we move on, I will just say there are, there's the Great Pyramid and there's a couple others nearby that are absolutely like pinnacle <clears throat> um, technology. We don't understand how they were built. And then there's a couple, there's a few that are built later that are crumbling. It's like your civilization right. lost this technology somehow. Like how, how did you lose this exactly technology? Exactly how I explained it with the, <laughs> with the idea of the iPhone and technology. We wouldn't be able to replicate it afterwards, right? Yep. The Sphinx is almost certainly pre-flood. Yes. Trevor Denning. Interesting. 100%. I, th this is just sometimes like the stuff you grow up on religiously, you believe religiously, even though it's extra biblical. And some of the things that I'm I'm tearing down in my mind that were just were never in the Bible, but I just believed religiously is just that there's no record of pre-flood civilization and that everything came after. But th that's just not that's right. just not true. But the concept of, of a structure surviving the flood blows my mind. Well, this is something we talk about in our revelation streams where there's two thousand years of uh, you know, fiction and and tradition and things like that that we start to take in as if it is biblical, as if it is you know set in stone. It's like yeah. trying to break down those things. And be like, what have we been like just building on top of 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 myth and ideas and traditions that just aren't true? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you believe in the biblical timeline, you've got two thousand years to the flood, two thousand years to Jesus, and two thousand years to now. We're on a 2,000-year cycle, you guys. Somebody asked about a 6,000-year cycle. We'll talk about that later, but yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. All right. So I want to read this verse from Matthew 24, 37 to 39. Um, for, for as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Yeah. This idea of the sudden cataclysm that just 
completely wipes things out. This is exactly what happened with Atlantis, according to Plato, right? Earthquakes, flood, gone in a second. Got another one over here um, from on Odyssey. Liked memes before they were cool. <laughs> so I love that. That's, That's amazing. So Thank good. you. On oh, who sent this? Uh, that was from Waffle Salter. Thank you, Waffle. King of the memes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Waffle Salter and Blank's been killing it over here on Odyssey. All right. We are finally at <laughs> 9.48 ready to go over to Rumble, where I have more to talk about. There is a whole other kingdom that was supposedly a son of Poseidon was the king of the kingdom that's in the Bible. There's a couple other islands that are connected to Poseidon. Kind of go down the Poseidon rabbit hole over on Rumble. And I just want to pitch this really quickly for people who are listening no. later. Yeah, 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 whatever. Uh, if you want to, you guys should come over to Rumble. Follow us on Rumble. Follow us on Odyssey. We do the extra show over there. But also, you, if you're an audio listener, you can go to conspiracypill.locals.com and get the full audio podcast there. And if you want to support us, we've got another Unhinged episode coming out tomorrow. We're trying to do those more. Uh, and as we get more subscribers on the Locals channel, it will actually up the amount of uh, space that we can basically give us more uh, gigs of upload space that we can put more out every month. I'm sorry, guys. Anyway, what I want to say in all that is, uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about we might be getting into some Epstein stuff. So if you guys are interested in that, come over to Rumble. See us there. Thank you guys so much for this. Whatever. I'm on drugs. Peace out, everyone. God bless. Thank you.